Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Today, I'm interviewing Jessica Higgins. She is a researcher, a consultant, and a marketing communications professional. Her research and books help executives and everyday people better understand the impacts of emerging cultural trends. She holds executive and board positions in companies and technology, consulting, and the arts. And she has a new book, The 12 Essential Business Communication Skills, that will come out in September of 2018. So welcome to the Female Insight Zone, Jessica. Thanks for having me. I know that you're a lawyer and an MBA and you've got lots of things going on. Tell me a little bit about how you got started in the direction that you're in. And then we'll talk a little bit more about what you're doing right now. Sure. It's funny. I was just thinking about this today. I've been at an executive level in businesses since I was 26 years old. And now, you know, at the age of 33, I look back and think maybe that wasn't such a good idea because I really did not know what I was doing. I didn't know the things I know now, you know, back then, but I can say, you know, from my career, just working really hard and, you know, showing everybody else what is possible is the best way to work your way up very quickly. And then just continuous learning, like every single day, I make sure that I'm always assessing and, you know, continuing to learn and develop and grow. And so I was a director of business development at a consulting firm and then left, started my own firm. And now I hold positions as chief marketing officer in a company. I hold a position as a COO in a company. I have board advisory positions. And I think I'm just like really hardworking person who's just super interested in life, if that's fair enough. (laughs) It's totally fair enough. Do you read a lot of books? I try to read a book a day. I think that a a really good shortcut for somebody trying to do this is the first 120 pages of any book are the only pages that you really need to read. Now, that's not the case with my book. Unfortunately, all of my book is segregated out to where it actually, I purposefully made that rule not apply to my book. But I find a lot of books, the nuggets of information are in the front and then they kind of expand upon them in the back end. I would also say listening to podcasts every single day. I have like three to five podcasts I listen to um, at the gym or, you know, in transit between, you know, getting from point A to point B. I always make sure there's a podcast playing. Continuous learning is something you can do passively. Just whenever you're, you know, putting your makeup on in the morning, you can listen to a business podcast. And so it's a good trick I use. Yeah, that's a great trick. I was expecting you to say something like a book a week, a book a day. That's pretty aggressive. (laughs) Um, I, I should probably do a book a day, but I'm kind of a book a week person. And I do agree. I've written a bunch of books myself. And, you know, you look at a table of contents of a business book and you can find the important chapters and you read the first, you know, several chapters and then skip around a little bit. It's not like a novel where you have to read every single word of every single page, except, of course, for your book. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, I set mine up where you can read all of the chapters in one paragraph each. Ah. So if you just read one paragraph at the beginning of each of my chapters, you can get the whole book because it seems fair. And then if you want more, you can get more. But it's like you said, and I mean, you can jump around in, you know, business books. And I feel like so many business books kind of say the same thing. So once you hit a threshold, you've already read that section and in the other ones. And so there might be something new that you can grab, but it's definitely this inflection point where everything starts to sound the same. But I was going to tell you yesterday, somebody told me a statistic that most Americans don't read a book in a year. So book a week 
is amazing. You're getting, you know, 52 more in than everybody else. So it's great. <laughs> and I have a stack in my office that are on the waiting list. So yeah, it's always I this. need that stack. Honestly, that's the one area of my life I really need somebody to help me with. Can you please send me like after this podcast, just and anybody who wants to send me a list of books, please. I love getting recommendations. It's great. I will absolutely do that. Absolutely. In fact, the one book I have sitting right here, I just interviewed this woman. It's How Women Rise by Sally Helgeson. And it's a fabulous book. But that leads me to, I know that, you know, one of the things that you do is looking at emerging cultural trends. Talk a little bit about what you're finding when you're doing some research in that area and what you're learning about that. So right now, there was just a report released yesterday that shows that logging into Coinbase is actually an exponential trend that we're seeing year over year. So we definitely are seeing cryptocurrencies become into the mainstream in the next two years. We're going to see cryptocurrencies become just a mainstream usage. Apart from that cultural trend, I think, you know, we all kind of can feel that we're moving into a new space in our work. And so as we increasingly adapt to AI technologies. And there are a lot of really emergent, interesting AI technologies happening now that are actually replacing everybody's job. And there's one that I'm working with now that can develop AI that will find any person on the internet and get a call with them set up for you in like minutes. So you can plug in any credentials and you can find anyone. And if you think about what that means, it's like, oh my gosh. And so we're moving into this strange digital place where We've got, you know, digital is replacing humans, digital is replacing money, and that has huge implications on our work and our lives. And so the rise of entrepreneurship is ever more important, I think, especially for women, because one of the things we don't see is only 8% of women are using cryptocurrencies now. So we're thinking, okay, we've got an emergent technology where people are making tons of money off of being at the head of the inflection point, you know, being ahead of the curve please join now and make money like because there are only 8% of us who are even doing this. It's crazy. And then you look at entrepreneurship statistics. It's the same. You know, you don't see as many women entrepreneurs as you see as men. And, and so what I would like to see in our culture is more women helping each other to grow and to take on risk portfolios that accept, you know, early entrance into emergent technologies and entrance into becoming entrepreneurs. How do you feel about that? I totally agree. And, you know, there's all of the talk that women take less risks and things like that. But it kind of sounds like that's what you're finding as well in terms of what you're seeing with cryptocurrency. And then, of course, we know the statistics with women in entrepreneurship and things like that. But do you think that women are less likely to take risk? Is that really what it is? You know, I don't know. If you look in companies, only 17% of women sit in an executive board position or leadership position, literally at all in a management suite in all of our publicly traded companies. I think that number is right. It was 17 or 12%. So that's happening. And I don't think that's women's fault. I think that's cultural issue. And so with all these things, it's a complex cultural issue. It's funny, I was discussing with one company, they said, if I offered a base salary, would more women come apply for my company because it was a commissioned only based business? And I said, yes. And the reason I said yes is because women who are applying for jobs, we have to take care of families, you know, taking care of ourselves. I don't fully know the answer now. I think it's complex. I think it's culturally, we have 
different types of values. And then from a risk portfolio standpoint, I do think women have a more conservative risk portfolio. And then I think environmental factors play in as well. But I don't know the answer. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You know, I hear a lot, well, women just don't take as many risks. And I don't necessarily believe that. I think it is what you're talking about. There's just some cultural norms that exist. Women just don't do certain things because other women don't do these certain things. And it's not about risk. It's just about what we have in front of us. And if other people are always talking about, hey, we should do cryptocurrency. This is really great. And you're talking about it like it's so exciting. And I don't think women are maybe talking about it as much. And so maybe that's just part of it is that we need to be subjected to more of these things so that we can help to change these cultural trends. Preach, please. And you just reminded me of something that's very fundamental that I remind myself a lot whenever I catch myself being stuck. This has helped me a lot as a woman entrepreneur and as a woman you know, executive is that marketing, if you think about marketing, it's exactly what you said about what people are talking about. Marketing taught us as we were little girls that we were supposed to look pretty. And marketing taught men that they were supposed to build wealth and careers and be successful. So if you look at a way a woman spends, and this all marketers know this, women spend more. They spend money on makeup. They spend money on hair products. They are spending, spending. And at every step of our lives, marketing is telling us to spend our money, whereas men are culturalized to build wealth. So if you think about emergent technologies and utilization of buying into cryptocurrency as an investment, women just aren't being told to do these things. And so you know, smart marketers will tell you that, that at every turn of the day, every commercial is telling a woman to depart with her money. And so I remember that when I get caught thinking I need to, you know, buy an outfit or this or that, that's a cultural norm that sticks women, you know, pits us against success and pits us against financial freedom and against wealth accumulation. So stop yeah. buying lipstick, everybody. Let's just all wear, you know, chapstick <laughs> from the grocery store for, for God's sakes. <laughs> right. I mean, if we could, if the cultural norm suggested that we could do that, then who's going to make those changes? We have to start making those changes. You know, I saw something about Meghan Markle where, you know, she doesn't wear a lot of makeup. And so she's starting, you know, other women and girls are looking at this going, hey, maybe we don't need to wear as much makeup. Now, some of us aren't as beautiful as Meghan Markle is, but I think it's not the point. The point is we don't need to dress it all up. We need to just be who we are. Yeah. And have a mindset of wealth accumulation. You know, if we want to start being equal and getting a seat at the table, it all starts with mindset. And yeah, there are so many cultural barriers that we have to break down. And I think we're doing a good job finally this year of really talking about things. And that's the first step of breaking down these barriers. But the mindset is where we have to be a mindset of, you know, just setting goals and setting intentions, saying, this is what I want for my life. And then acting in a very, I actually think it's a more selfish manner. I know always looking out for yourself first, because a lot of women that I see, they're looking out for other people first. And I say, okay, set your goals, set your intentions and think about those things, every single decision you make. And they're like, well, isn't that selfish, Jessica? Well, yes, but selfishness, you know, for looking out for you first, it can be a really good thing. That's right. And women are always looking out for everyone else. I mean, yeah. the women that I know have so many things going on. They're always, oh, I got to get the kids here and I've got to do this and get to work and do this meeting and do this extra stuff at night. And it's not that men don't have to do all those things, but it just seems like we're always looking out for someone else and very rarely looking out for ourselves. I have a friend who she didn't have time to go to the doctors because she was always taking all of her kids to the doctors. And she's like, you know, I probably should go. But yes, yes, you should. <laughs> yes, you should. 
It's crazy. Honestly, I don't have kids and I don't have a husband. And I have to say that's the one job that I'm terrified of. It's the one job I might never do. And so for any woman who's listening, who's doing that, I just want to let you know, as a female executive, you might not hear this a lot. I respect you so much. How do you have a kid? Honestly, how do you do that? It just <laughs> blows my mind. <laughs> it is absolutely true. So tell us a little bit about maybe not all 12, but some of the 12 essential business communication skills from your new book that's coming out. So it's funny, they just changed my title to the 10 most effective business communication skills because they thought it would sell better. And then they slip in the bottom two. So <laughs> don't look for the 12 business. It's still 12, everybody. It's just they slipped in the last two. So the first communication skill I walk through, it was funny. So, you know, I'm a workplace expert and I do culture design and I look at how to shift culture and create cultural movements. And honestly, the best thing that you can do if you want to create influence and change at scale is communicate. And so I took the skills that I teach leaders and I broke them down into very simple, specific things that you can just add into your day and exactly how you can add them in so that you can, you know, become on the path of creating more influence. And the first one is obviously going to be listening. So how to actually listen to people and be an active listener. The second one is body language, both understanding it and using it. And body language doesn't sound like communication, but it actually is. So Around 8% of our communication is the words themselves. And then the rest of that is tonality, the way we talk, the way we you know, use our voice. And it's the way we move our bodies is around 70%. So 70% of our communication is actually our body language. If you've ever had an email communication, just go completely awry. It's because writing down words and sending them is communicating only 8% of what you meant. So if you want to actually be a better communicator... The best thing you can do is just make communication as human as possible. If you can't get in front of each other, get in front of each other with the webcam. Get in front of each other in the most human way, and that allows more of the message to be sent and received. Chapter three is about empathy. I think empathy is a skill, and I teach people how to have more empathy. But, you know, this is a book. It was written for both sexes, but I'm hoping that I wrote it as agnostic as possible so that more men pick it up because empathy I'm just going to put that, just put that out on the table. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, psychological communication hacks, how to be a better networker, how to be a better public speaker, how to give and receive criticism, how to be more assertive, how to negotiate, how to become a you know, master of conflict, how to handle high stakes communications, how to avoid accidentally offending people how to, you know, just be all around just a better human in any type of business setting that you find yourself in. That was kind of the goal of what I was attempting to do. Yeah, it sounds like it is a great book and something that everyone needs. I mean, communication is, you know, the reason for lots of good things happening. And it's also a reason for lots of bad things happening. They say bad communication causes all sorts of divorce and all sorts of things. And good communication is really hard to come by. So I'm excited to get your book when it comes out. I have another question to ask you. If you think about in your whole career, what is the thing that happened to you where you learned the most? Maybe it was something that didn't go your way and you learned something from that. I'd love for you to share that with us. Sure. You know, I think once you master the business stuff, it becomes pretty, I would say, predictable in certain ways. You can predict business with a level of variation once you reach a certain skill level, the one thing that you can't predict are human beings. So I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that it's just when it comes to your internal teams, surround yourself with high trust level people, people that you really can trust, that you know will always do the right thing whenever nobody's looking, 
because you can predict business, but you can't predict what a human being will do. And I've learned that, you know, in the hardest of ways, just always surround yourself with people you trust. And it sounds so basic, but when you do find yourself in a position where you're joining a company or you're starting your own business, you can get so excited by, you know, a business partner or a boss, but you see little things that make you kind of question your excitement takes over and you join. And that's the problem is we get excited and we get impassioned about things. And then we join with people who may be doing unethical things or doing things that we don't agree with. And the problem will come around. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, when that becomes a problem for you in some way or another. And I would say that's the biggest lesson I've learned. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. I mean, we know the importance of teams, but putting yourself inside of the right team makes absolutely huge difference. So how can people reach you? How can they find out more about you? Sure. I am very accessible. My goal is to help others and I love mentoring women. So if you want to reach out to me with any question or advice, I am here. So it is jessicahiggins.co, jessicahiggins.co. You can read. I post a blog post every day on a publication or business tips. And then by email, you can reach me at jessica at cultured slash group dot com. That's cultured with a D slash group dot com. Let's see. You can reach me on LinkedIn at LinkedInJessicaHiggins.co. You can reach me on Facebook there, JessicaHiggins.co. I don't use Twitter anymore. How do you feel about Twitter these days, by the way? I don't feel that great about Twitter, actually. It just seems like just seems like it's a lot of noise all of a sudden. And LinkedIn is the place where I personally spend much more time. And I find that there's lots of good things happening on LinkedIn. Twitter, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I'm there, but I'm just not sure. Totally. How funny you? you mentioned LinkedIn. Well, it's funny when I give people marketing advice, I always say LinkedIn because LinkedIn is this like untapped source for marketing. I don't think anybody's really hit that market hard. If you look at YouTube, you have success stories. If you look at Instagram, you see clear success stories, but yeah. nobody's really dominating that LinkedIn space. And I think that's just a wide open space that if somebody were to roll out with a really great idea and a really great, you know, purpose-based brand that they could go crazy all over LinkedIn. And I have a friend, Marla Gottschalk, who's doing a good job in the organizational psychology space. She posts every day and her following is huge. I've never seen a brand do it. And I would love to see that because I think we're all on LinkedIn now. Well, that's right. That's exactly right. Well, I think this has been very insightful from beginning to end in terms of everything that you've shared with us on the Female Insight Zone. And I really appreciate your time today, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. I am a huge fan of this podcast. I can't wait to hear myself on it. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.